Welcome to episode four of the Spherical Animation Podcast. I am Jason Animation Wollum. And I'm Dave Spherical Magician Roberts. How are you doing, sir? Fantastic. How are you? Not too bad. So we got some uh, news to start off with. And unfortunately, some sad news in the bowling world once again. Uh, Billy Hardwick, the first Triple Crown winner, uh, passed away due to a heart attack. Uh, he was the first Triple Crown winner, which was which consists of the U.S. Open, the PBA Tournament Champions, and the PBA National Championship, which is now the World Championship. Um, he won 18 uh, PBA National titles, including a record, at the time, record... Um, Seven titles until Mark Roth broke that record in 1978. His son, Chris Hardwick, is one of the owners of the PBA League, the uh, Silver Lake Adam Splitters. I'm Chris Hardwick, and uh, I just want to say something. I don't want things to get weird, but um, my dad passed away suddenly yesterday, and it was kind of a weird... I didn't know if I was going to come into work, but I like this job, and it was a nice distraction. But I just want to thank everyone online. It was the one time, one of the times where the internet was like, ah... It was, it was really nice, and um, really quickly, the day before he died, I got to, I had a really nice chat with him, and I was really lucky that I got to, you know, tell him how much I loved him, but look, the holidays are coming up, they can be a pain in the ass, but I just want to say, your family is important, and you should appreciate, take time to appreciate in the midst of the traveling and all the crap that happens, and families can be weird, but just remember that they're important and they love you, and you should take some time to appreciate them, and uh I just want to say rest in peace, Billy Harbick. I love you, Dad, and thanks for watching, and good night. So that was actually a quick audio clip from uh, The Talking Dead with Chris Hardwick um, talking to his dad uh, two days after he passed away. So on to some other news. The uh, World Series of Bowling shows have started to air on uh, ESPN. We had the Cheetah Championship and the Viper Championship so far. Uh, Wes Malott won the Cheetah, and Chris Barnes won the Viper and West Malat was a little bit of a roller coaster ride. <laughs> exactly. It. I mean, he struggled pretty bad uh, the first game uh, against uh, Clara Guerrero and uh, brought it back up yeah. tenfold the next game, literally tenfold. Yep, front ten and left ten pin in the eleventh shot um, against Pete Weber. And then Parker had some issues on the left lane in the championship match. Um, barely shot one seventy, I think, and West kind of cruised to his uh, ninth title. And his second title, actually, the season, because he won the uh, 2013 U.S. Open. Yeah, he definitely lost that lost the left lane. Uh, Parker did, which is something that uh, I was actually pretty surprised with because watching him in qualifying all week, uh, he looked pretty damn good uh, throughout the whole thing. He just had a fantastic look. So did Clara. Yeah, I mean... That championship match. And even with the blue oil, uh, you know, it doesn't show... It doesn't show volume; it just shows where they're playing at. So, I mean, he's still gotta he's still gotta make the moves and, and have the game for it. He just just lost that one lane. It happens to anybody. Uh, the blue oil was actually really good with with the cheetah championship because they were because all the right handers were playing at least the same part of the lane. You started to see the uh, the the, uh, the track area where they were playing at. You know, around around second arrow, getting it out to first arrow, and and the friction out there. Um, they tried to show the carry down with it, but. I mean, I, what carry yeah, down. what carry down? Because I mean, because all the dye went into the balls. That was just my thought. Is like all the dye was was absorbed in, so there was nothing that was going to be shown carrying down in that. Yeah, which you definitely saw on uh, Parker's melee, which is a uh, a solid red ball. 
it was a uh, it it was a, a jawbreaker. It was a red blue striped <laughs> ball by the time he was done. And same with uh, some of the other guys on other shows with their IQ tours. That gold ball, mm-hmm. it just had a big bright blue stripe around it, and uh, it just shows you how how much that oil soaks into the ball. Yeah, um, and then with the cheated, well, I'm sorry, with the Viper Championship, uh, we had uh, Chris Barnes come through. Uh, Defeating Stu Williams in the semifinals and then beating Ryan Simonelli in the finals, and that was that was a real testament on the show about um, shot making with Chris Barnes, and then because you saw all the how the 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 bowlers get practice before the shows and that to break down the lanes, and all the right handers were playing everywhere. It was it was kind of because I think uh, I read on around the article uh, the the article on PBA.com about. Barnes was like, yeah, it felt like a U.S. Open. You had one guy playing 20, you had one guy playing 10, you had one guy playing 5. <laughs> Actually, I really did like that show uh, because of that. I watched uh, Chris Barnes. He was throwing the crazy antics, which is a pretty strong, very aggressive ball, and he was playing kind of inside a little bit for most of the time. He started well, start with the Eruption Pro, then moved way in with the right. crazy antics, and then actually... <laughs> he had a pretty good look there. He just had a couple of shots, and the, the left lane started to hook on him. The left lane, the right lane was the issue, because it, it developed like a hang spot, and yeah. the ninth frame of that semifinal match, he moved back right, go up second arrow, went to a Columbia 300 smackdown, and just, just piped it straight up there, got the strike, and then... Through the clutch double in the tenth to uh, lock out Stu Williams, which, and then which was a key. I mean, he changed balls and moved to a different zone of the lane in a key situation where he kind of needed to to strike. Yeah, he had to. And, otherwise, uh, Stu was. Gonna... I, I saw what he was changing to. He was throwing a smackdown, and I actually saw the layout on it. And it's a layout that for anybody, well, most bowlers, pretty much anybody, uh, it doesn't uh, give you a really strong read on the lane. It's just really smooth. Mm-hmm. So as soon as he grabbed that ball, I was like, "Oh, he's moving right. Yeah, he's, exactly. He's, he's going to pipe it." Yeah, exactly. And he moved right around ten or eight, right in that range, and uh, and just kept the ball in play, and and you know had a really good look there towards the end. So obviously during the title match, that's what he was going to do. Yep, and he did that. Uh, but he gave him that game against Stu, which could have went either direction. Yeah, and he did that during the title match against Simonelli, and Simonelli was throwing the uh, deviate endless nightmare, made two bad shots. One, one they kind of uh, the one obviously the the big crucial mistake was the. He got he he didn't catch it all in the in the temp frame. Kind of got it wide and and light and left a swisher seven ten and I think he almost picked it. I think he actually overpowered that shot. Is what happened. Oh really? He tried to, well, okay. He lost it a little bit, but he tried to uh, he tried to get a little. I, I think he tried to be extremely aggressive with it and was just you know they were saying that his uh, he needs to have slow feet. Keep his arm swing nice and steady, yep. and he just—I think he just got adrenaline going because he was oh, yeah. pumped and oh, he was yeah. answering back to Barnes every shot. Oh yeah, exactly. I, I actually wrote off that game halfway through, which you know it, it could always go either way. Mm-hmm. But the uh, back to the match with him and Stu, uh, Chris Barnes and Stu—that just proves how good those guys are. It's a clutch situation where he needs to do something, and he's willing and knowing to change balls and move to a different zone. Which, you know, watching Stu, you can tell he hasn't been on the show a lot mm-hmm. because his changes came either a little too late and they seem to have a little bit less uh, motivation or drive to, uh, maybe not motivation, but confidence that it, that's what's that's what's needed. Yeah. And Chris was, you could tell, he was like, this is what I'm doing because this is what needs to be done. And it got him there. Yeah. How much do you think now, because you, you're seeing the actual, like last year you you, call them, you saw them kind of go off and, and talk to their ball reps or whatever, but now they're actually sitting behind him again. This year or whatever, how much do you think that Bugsy Kelly and his, and Chris Barnes, the Bugsy Kelly's the Columbia three hundred brand manager, um, that him and Barnes, that Bugsy and Barnes were talking, that how much of that 
they bounce ideas off each other to make that move in the ninth frame of that that semifinal match. I think it helps. I think it, having another set of eyes is just as good as uh as getting. I wouldn't say getting coaching, and it, it definitely does give those guys. I'm not going to say it gives them an advantage because it. If if I was in that situation and I had somebody from track behind me saying I would I would count on them to tell me everything they're seeing because that helps alleviate something off of me going that I got to make sure I don't miss anything pay attention to everything uh, I'm sure they were bouncing ideas off each other the whole time and I'm sure this plan was probably already in effect a little before that yeah. actually happened hey this you know if this starts to go. You know, we got that. We got something else that's going to be a little more predictable. And Chris knows his equipment. The guy's a, a genius when it comes to the, <laughs> to bowling balls. He's he he's very technical, uh, and I mean physically, he's just ridiculously sound. Mm-hmm. So if it's not that, you know, it's his gear. Yep. And he even said during the, the uh, or they said during an interview that his that confidence is a big thing, and he feels extremely confident in everything he does. I mean, you need and, that out there. And now, I mean, what his last? I mean, he won the Milwaukee Open, or he he lost the final of the Bear Open to Belmo in a crucial match, a really great match between him and Belmo. He beat Duke in the finals. He, I mean, he made Belmo and Duke both show up. Belmo ranked, Belmo went for the bell and got there. Duke did not. I mean, he made, he made Simonelli show up. Unfortunately, he fell a little short in that. But, I mean, Barnes on TV now, it's kind of getting scary again. Cause, yeah, he's not somebody that uh, you're going to be able to lock out, really, I think, on anything. He's He's too smart. Yeah, exactly. He, he's he's what they call. Uh, I mean, I mean, he's athletic, obviously. Um, you can tell by his physical game, but he's just you know, as far as equipment and uh, and and your fit and your fit and just technique, he's just extremely intelligent. Yeah. Uh, very, it's very hard to keep up with him. I, I can guarantee it. All right. Well, since it's been a few weeks, uh, Jason, how's your league's been going? Well, they've been actually doing a lot better. Um, some gentlemen. Pulled me into a dark room and told me, asked me what was going on with my game, and apparently was gonna beat me up if I didn't start doing what I used to do. <laughs> oh, you mean uh, stop hooking the damn ball? So much <laughs> and, uh, it, the the biggest thing I can ever tell anybody is if it ain't your strong suit, uh, you know, try to stick with your game first before you start trying to play everybody else's. Your game should be the first thing that you attempt. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> Oh, I yeah. mean, I guess that's what the guy said. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, it was you, so that's okay. You know, <laughs> yeah, you uh, you got me out of a slump there that I was causing myself. Um, a couple other people were instrumental in that as well. Uh, Philip Watson, James Ball, anyone that I've ever bowled with for pretty much Jordan Richard was. Yeah, they were all like, uh, Jason's having a slump here, and he's not being himself." And you beat that out of me, so I thank you for that. <laughs> No problem. Anybody, anytime anybody steps outside of himself, I'm glad to point it out. <laughs> yeah, I had a, actually had a really, really good, set, a really good tournament uh, this past weekend. Um, had a great start, six games, and then just didn't catch a transition quick enough, and uh, just didn't make some crucial shots and shot about five forty the last three. Um, and then had a really good night at league last night. Had a two seventy eight, two hundred four, two seventy nine. So little transition, little shots caught me, but. The deviate stuff rolling good. How about you? Uh, pretty good. I'm, I've had some ups and downs. Uh, I had 300 uh, about a week and a half ago. Yeah, roughly, of Right before Thanksgiving. Yep. And uh, we'll say what the rest of those games were. Let's just say <laughs> it's about 300. And uh, that first game, we'll let it go from there. Uh, it just uh, lost all kinds of carry after that. I, I just 
I, I was executing. I felt pretty decent. I just I probably should have changed balls, moved somewhere, whatever. Uh, it happens. And then I had uh, 800 that following Wednesday at sunset, which for me there, that's pretty good because lately I've been struggling uh, off and on with uh, the amount of hook that that place has for me. Uh, but all in all, not too bad. I feel pretty good. Uh, spares have been good, which is, uh, to me, more important than anything. Yeah. So my spare game's been kind of hit or miss lately. And the last week and a half, two weeks, uh, two, three weeks has actually been pretty good. Yeah, we've been we've been working on my on our spare games. And uh, I've been working, getting me back to, because uh, we've got the holiday doubles coming up at the end of this month. It's time for us to uh, do work, as they say. Yep. Yep. Definitely uh, gonna, been up in my practices a little bit and... Uh, I feel pretty good. I mean, it's on a house pattern, but uh, the big thing with that is it's a full tournament, uh, and the caliber of players is pretty ridiculous. It, it might as well be a PBA event on a house shot because uh, a lot of those guys are – I mean, the, the number of national titles or just region, PBA titles, period, in that is just off the top of my head with the guys I can think of is over 60 or 70. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, Pete alone is half of that. So Oh, you're, <laughs> you're just kind of national then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or even just regional. I mean, I mean if you got regional, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, So, I mean, yeah, uh, there's there's a lot of guys there that know what they're doing, and they're going to they're gonna throw up some scores, and we're going to be right along with them. Yep, exactly. So that'll do it for our first segment. Coming up next, it's our main topic. Find out what it is next. And welcome back to the Spherical Animation Podcast. It is main topic time. And our main topic today is negativity. <laughs> yeah, we've been kind of dodging this a little bit, only because we don't want a lot of negativity out of the show. Uh, there's enough of it, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. Um, but it's got to be addressed. There's just way too much of it, uh, way too many different types. And uh, right now in bowling, it, it kind of outweighs the positive. Uh, one of the big things that we see lately is uh brand bashing. Oh, <clears throat> my brand's awesome. Your brand sucks. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> you're not throwing Storm. You suck. You're not throwing Ebonite. You suck. You're not throwing Hammer. You suck. You're not throwing Brunswick. You suck. Yeah, yeah exactly. Good yeah, because it's not a trackball. I. You're never gonna hear me say that. Yeah, uh, you're never gonna hear me say anything bad about you know if you're not throwing deviate. What? Why are you bowling? Type right. thing. You know, that's you know. <laughs> and a lot just, of people get that confused out of my shop because they know that I'm, you know, I'm with track. I love the track stuff. Uh, you know, I'm not just pumping it because you know I they they take care of my equipment, but I, I really genuinely like the stuff. Is the reason I even signed. And uh, but if somebody comes in and say they say I want a, a storm bite or whatever, I'm going to be excited for them because they want something for bowling and they want something that they like uh i've got a couple guys that's all they throw they've tried other stuff you know they liked it but they they're, they're pretty brand loyal and i'm not going to push it mm-hmm. uh because they're positive about their game because it gives them confidence that's all that matters exactly i've uh, you know i've done that with my my wife has done that actually uh she threw whatever we had and that she threw you know ebonite she threw uh she had some track stuff, she threw columbia yeah. um but then she she started seeing the deviate stuff that I threw. She liked. She, I mean, she was she was actually the first one to get a diva out of the two of us. She got that, and then she started getting the rest of the stuff. She got a misfit. She got a real nightmare and all that. She wants a she wants a zombie spare ball just because it has Mike Machuga's head zombie fight on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's and it's cool. Yeah, it's exactly. She so, likes I mean, it. Yeah, I mean, 
So. There's just there's just way too many guys that, uh, and it's weird because it's not even just. I'm definitely not saying it's staffers because there's yeah there's a few there always there's always going to be, but it's just it's people that aren't even connected directly with any kind of brand and they're, and then I've even heard it during leagues guys that are mostly we see it online but I hear it during leagues guys are like. Well, you know, if you threw a hammer, it would it would hit a little harder for you, and you know, because nothing hits like a hammer. Whatever. I mean, it's it, it, bowling balls match up with bowlers based on their game, not brands. I mean, there's definitely been bowling balls from track that I, I have not liked as much as some of my other stuff, but it, the balls just got to match up. It doesn't matter who makes it. Right now, everybody makes good stuff. Exactly. Uh, it, it's it's a pretty tough tough. Uh, industry right now as far as making equipment i mean everybody's got three or four bowling balls that are just huge hits mm-hmm. uh, you got the melee from brunswick which is selling like crazy uh which is i mean it looks good uh you got the orange ball the uh, eruption pro from columbia the white ball from track storm's got the gold ball which has been tough to compete against i mean everybody's got the high road i mean yeah, the high road i mean uh, yeah. that's, just, you know, that's a freak of nature no yeah. balls produced for five years, six years. <laughs> but <laughs> there's no point in it if, if somebody says that they like a ball or they don't like a ball Try to figure out why. Don't figure out that, or don't say that, oh, well, you know, if you were throwing a hammer, blah, 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 yeah. it would hit so much harder for you, because that, that may not be the case. It may make yeah. the situation worse. Yeah, exactly. Some some styles, I, I, some styles I feel actually fit better with some brands, because there there is those little nuances that each brand does have. I right, mean, correct. So, yeah, if you get a guy that throws the ball uh, pretty direct, such as yourself, mm-hmm. uh, Philip. The Brunswick stuff seems to roll better. It's it some of it, a majority of it still is pretty rolly and pretty smooth. Yeah, exactly. That's great. Uh, but if you get a guy that wants to see the ball bounce off the five board, he's only going to get it with a handful of bowling balls. Exactly. Um, you know the track stuff may match up better. The storm stuff he may like because the storm stuff does seem to to bounce off the spot a little harder on average, not all of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, try to just be excited that that person wants a new ball or that wants to get to do more with their bowling, not. Point them in a brand that may or may not work for them. Exactly. Um, uh, another thing that has been really bad with uh, the industry, and a lot of this is stemmed from the internet, Facebook, uh, forums, a uh, little bit of talk during leagues, but people online seem to be a little more opinionated because mm-hmm. they're in front of a ca- keyboard warriors. You know, they're a yeah, little exactly. more opinionated because there's nobody in their face telling them to shut up, and, and they don't take that five seconds afterwards, read <laughs> it over, and go. I probably shouldn't send this. Right. <laughs> yeah, they just type it out. Yeah, type it uh, out, send, boom. House shot versus sports shot. Oh. Uh, lack of respect for people that, that um, I'm not saying everybody deserves respect because you average 240 on a house shot, but uh, it needs to be treated like a different animal. Yeah, There's exactly. nothing wrong with, with only wanting to bowl in house shots and only wanting to improve on that. There's exactly. nothing wrong with that. There's been a lot of negativity. Well, if you're not bowling on sport, you're not. Your 300s don't mean nothing. <laughs> uh, okay, maybe they don't. Maybe they're not as tough as a 300 on Viper. I, I completely agree. I agree with that, yeah. But bowl 10 games on a house shot, where the only spot is over the gutter for just about anybody, and tell me a 300 isn't worth it when people are barely breaking 210. Exactly. On an old wood house, especially here. The transition here is killer. If you're right-handed, mm-hmm. I'm not saying you have a disadvantage in a tournament, but the breakdown's completely different than for your left-handers. They can hold up a lot longer, and they don't have to hit that high-friction part of the lane because of the breakdown. Um. But I mean, there's pros and cons to either one. If I have no problems bowling house anymore, I used to be that guy. Mm-hmm. I used to be that guy. I'm completely honest. Oh, I, I'm bowling I house too. shots. I got average two forty to cash. This is stupid. It's only stupid if you go in there expecting it to be two twenty. If you exactly. expect it to be two twenty, 
you might as well just walk out of there. Cause yeah, it's, it's not going to happen. I, I was kind of surprised when we actually bowled the we group of us went and bowled the tournament at, at Bel Air, the Grand Prix, this past weekend. And Bel Air, Bel Air is is kind of hit or miss depending on who's there with the with the tournament. In that, you know, but I didn't actually expect the the scoring average to be over 230 and it was to cash which i was which i was personally surprised about i expected it to be right around it, 230 was going to be top five i thought you know maybe you know i wouldn't have been expected 235 but i wasn't expecting you know 220 to cash which you know is the big thing at. the big thing for that is uh, uh lane surface it depends on how the shot breaks down oh yeah nine games there is way could be way different than nine, nine games here exactly uh, i know bel air surface is pretty nice mm-hmm. um now so i mean it's you know, it probably didn't mix up as much as it could have if it was on an open wood oh, yeah. surface. If it was open wood, we, you know, 400 over would have barely cashed. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, that's out there. I mean, just if, if, if somebody says that they're they're averaging 240 on house and they're happy about it, just be happy for them. Don't knock them because it's, oh, you're bowling on China. It's not, re- no, it's not respectable. It, the, most people don't do this for a living. Most people don't make money in it. Uh it, it, you got to take it for what it is. Don't don't knock somebody because they enjoy it, because that's what's killing us. That's what's killing us. We got to keep Ooh. everybody bowling. Uh, that makes people want to bowl a little less, and then, then eventually it makes them want to quit. Exactly. Um, the only other reason it would make you want to quit is if you're that guy averaging two forty, and you think you should be cashing higher, averaging two forty, because it's house. If it's house, you, you need to treat it like you have two mistakes a game, and they better be spares. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. That's yeah. what it is. I mean, exactly. I think it's the same pressure sport. It's just you have a different kind of pressure. You have exactly. carry pressure. You mm-hmm. better carry uh, on sport. You better you better be lined in right. At least have the the right type of reaction. It, it, uh, it, carry isn't as much of an issue. It, it's like it's like if you're bowling on Cheetah compared to the U.S. Open or whatever. You know, it's going to be you know it's it, you're going to expect it's going to be that two spare a game two spares a game thing on Cheetah. On U.S. Open or or the bear pattern, okay, two hundred's good, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, just keep two hundred. Great, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. One three is the only place you need to care about. Exactly. Yeah. Outside of that, pick a few spares. Um, the other one, which is kind of an interesting debate, uh, it kind of actually goes back to what we just I was just talking about with Imperial, uh, left-handed versus right-handed. Oh. I'm so sick of hearing this I is a left-handed too. house. This is a left-handed house. It's this a right-handed house, house. Too, buddy. Oh yeah. <laughs> I understand that left-handers here, like I was saying, mm -hmm. if you get caught in the zone here left-handed, and you are not the zone, but... Yeah, in the transition. Yeah, there's the transition is not as fierce because you don't have that that high amount of friction, but it's still a different game. I mean, you still have to do something. Exactly, and then if you, you know, or or Kingpin's a right-handed house. I I have heard heard that. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Don... Why the hell are they going there? Yeah, I... (laughs) I don't know. I told you oh, about this it. This isn't symmetric. The, yeah. the, the shot's not symmetric. Yeah, exactly. I've heard that a lot. Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Or 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 when or when tournaments load up the left side compared to the right side, or 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 vice versa, or whatever. I'm like, who? You know? Yeah. You're. We're all blowing on the same thing. You know. That's just the complaining would go completely reverse if they had a tournament that capped the number of right-handers versus left-handers. <laughs> we need we need eight left-handers for every one right-hander. The the complaining would go the exact opposite way. Um, <laughs> if you if you think the left-handers have that much of an advantage, switch hands. Yeah, they're <laughs> I mean seriously, I could bowl left-handed, but I I throw the ball just as slow, so it doesn't matter. I throw it slower. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the control is even worse. My sprinkler release is all over. But I mean if. You just expect that that's what you're going to have to. I think the problem is, is people, their expectations are off. I said before, I think it was our first podcast, people's expectations are higher than their average. 
Oh, immensely. I think their expectations are just off. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to go here, if you're going to bowl at Imperial and bowl a nine-game tournament, expect there to be some left-handers up there. It, it happens every time. Yeah. But don't discredit them because they're left-handed. The guy had to average 250. He averaged 250. For God's sakes. If he I had, I know people that if you block the shot up to them to where they're identical to a left-hander, they would not average 250. No. You still got to match up with the equipment, especially in this place. Your angle has to be right. Mm-hmm. If you're playing the, too much angle or you're playing too steep, it is what it is. Uh, work on getting equipment for that. those transition games that bump you right on purpose. Mm-hmm. Learn well, how to take some hand out of it. Dump that sucker up. I mean, whatever. I mean, I've bowled <laughs> enough here, practiced enough here. You could still play outside even whenever there's 60 people here bowling nine games. You oh, can still do I, it. It's I've tough. done it. I've done it. But you can do it. You, exactly. Yeah, you do it all the time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> now. <laughs> you know, and... You know, yeah. Don't even don't, even when right-handers, you know, on those on those China house wall, house shot tournaments and all that stuff, where they average two forty five, two fifty. I've done it. Why? What? What's the difference if if I did a compare it to a left-hander? Right. Exactly. If you're if you're in a part, it's actually it goes right along with. Uh, well, he's averaging that because he's in a part of the lane nobody can play. Tony, like Tony, I've seen Tony Arborough do it. He's playing so straight and nobody can stay out there, and he's whacking him. How is that any different than a left-hander? Exactly. That is no different. Mm-hmm. I understand they're on a different side of the lane. They're using a different hand. There's less traffic. There's less, There's less. less, less, whatever. That's fine. But they still have to match. They still have to get there. And they still have to throw the shots. Maybe the transition isn't as big. That's fine. But for a guy like Tony or a guy like yourself that can stay outside, that transition isn't going to be as big either. I saw it at Concord. Mm-hmm. I saw guys not move all day at Concord mm-hmm. and still average a two, almost 250. So, because they were outside of where everybody, including myself, uh, was trying to play. You know, we were trying to play between 18 and eighteen and 12 and not get the ball out very far. And they're outside of that, just piping them up there and just throwing harder or balling down. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I mean, it, that's no different than a left-hander. Their part of the zone lane never changed because they moved pairs. That was still fresh when they got there. It wasn't any different. Exactly. Uh, uh a few more uh, things that are definitely negative in the bowling industry uh, is uh, bowling centers. Um, the There's a lot of uh, resentment or negativity towards somebody that bowls in a higher scoring center, kind of going with the whole house shot, mm-hmm. you know, average of 240 thing. Um, it's the same thing. I mean, there's a lot of high scoring centers around St. Louis. Most of them, uh, some people don't like, actually don't like bowling here because on average, it's, it, the averages are lower here than they are at some other centers. Exactly, yeah. Um, I mean, you've bowled here. You bowl, you bowl kingpin. I bowl kingpin, uh, yeah, and I'm probably 20 pins different. I'm 20 pins higher at kingpin compared to here. Um, but that's just that's just how it caters between here and there. You know, I bowled at other houses where, you know, I'm in between there, you know. Uh, so it, it, it really, really depends on the house. I understand that there's some people that discount even – Going into honor scores in that, okay, 300s and 800s at, at certain centers are, you know, much easier than they are, you know, let's just use here because, <laughs> and then we had nearly three uh, on uh, on Thursday night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Thursday night was, was insane. And we had five or six, I think we had more than that, but then I saw immediately there was about five, seven, 50 plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here that's huge. We only, our men's league's only 12 teams. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's pretty big. Um, but I've seen people that, you know, you bowl, uh, you bowl at, uh, you X. know, up the street. Yeah, you bowl at X Center, and they have 50 honor scores a year, or they change the shot every week. And 
It, not everybody. It's the same thing as left-handed versus right-handed, uh, different brands. Every, but people match up differently. Your mm-hmm. style dictates. Uh, it took me a while here when my shop moved here to realize where to play this place. Yeah. Because it wasn't like Sunset. Sunset, I could stand wherever I wanted, and it would bounce anywhere I threw it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Mark Brevard took this over, he changed the pattern to help uh, give people uh, – to help the shot hold up a little bit longer, which meant more volume. And uh, <laughs> I could not do that. It was – I mean, I bowled horrible for weeks, and I watched guys that threw the ball really, really straight just knocking the crap out of them. Yeah. Um, some centers cater more to bowlers uh, as far as upgrading stuff. Some centers don't need to. Uh, I know Mike Romoculus does a good job. Uh, one center I will name out is, is Kingpin because mm-hmm. uh, he wants high scores. Exactly. Because that's what the bowlers want. They mm-hmm. want high scores. I don't care what they tell you. No. They want to they wanna, – I want to shoot 300 every time I can. I want to see the that's my goal. There, that, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> even if it's on sport, I want to shoot 300. If it's on house, I want to shoot 300. That's the point of this game is perfection. Mm-hmm. And people keep knocking it when people achieve it constantly. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, maybe that person isn't pushing themselves as hard if they consider that the their top of their level is house shot. But that's entirely up to them. If yeah. they're happy, as long as they're bowling, that's all we need. Uh, exactly. We just we need people throwing the balls down the lanes. Exactly. And uh, one of the other topics we got that uh, well, one of the topics, but one of the, another part of this topic is uh, staffer resentment. Uh, and and Jason. Okay. Oh, I I had I had I had a, I had a lot of that actually when I uh, got my contract. There was there were several people that were very uh, vocal about on, on social media of why why do I have a contract? What, this guy this guy can't bowl. This guy doesn't have the honor scores, the tournament titles, the the wins and all that. The average. Why does he have a title? Or, or why does he have a, a, a contract to, to represent a? At the DVA, the Brunswick brand, and that, and there was there was the little part of me that was like, why it bothered me, but then after a while, it just started to become funny. And I mean, there were so many people that came to my defense because because I, I could not post in this comment, and that was fine. I, trust me, because I did not want to, I didn't want to say anything about it. But there were so many people that came to my defense, explained why it's not about the scores, it's not about the titles, it's not about X, Y, and Z. It's about representing, you know, the brand in that, and and I do it, which we talked about in our first yeah, podcast. And I do a damn good job of doing that. And personally. that actually is uh, is honestly, if you know, just so anybody knows, that's kind of what spawned that us talking about that in that first podcast was there was there was a, some resentment, and I even had it when I first went with track. I, we talked about it in the first episode. Mm-hmm. People that were, I even had somebody message me going, "Why the why the hell are you a staffer and I'm not? I have no idea. You know, I don't know how much you represent." How your ability to represent the brand. The only thing I know is I can sell it, which is part of the the whole deal. Exactly. Uh, but that that's what got us to talk about it. That first episode was. Y- I mean, you had some people hitting on you as far as uh, why you shouldn't have it instead of being happy for you, and it was completely bogus. Um, you know, I I don't think that that helps us at all. In the industry. Um, you should always be happy for anybody's achievements, even if a guy beats you in a title match because you shoots three hundred. I wouldn't be happy for the guy. Oh yeah! Come on, man, keep it going. Nice shot. Mm-hmm. Every shot that goes by, I don't care because I want them to succeed because I want to beat them at their best. Mm-hmm. If I don't win, there's always next time. Exactly. You know, it's the same thing with with you earning the staff contract. I thought it was fantastic, and I even told you, I'm like, you're making great videos. You need to send those to the reps. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I'll send one and see what they think. Yeah. Unexpectedly, you didn't even you weren't even trying for it. No, I wasn't. You were just doing what you love, and that's what people don't get. They they think they're deserving. 
without wanting to bring anything to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, that, that kind of feeling is contagious. The, the negativity is contagious. We got to get rid of it. Yeah. So it's never going to happen, but we need to definitely tone it down and at least, uh, you know, analyze and understand where it's coming from. You know, that's, that's why you see a lot. That's why you see both of us posting all these positive things about bowling and that, you know, yeah, about our honor scores, but even, even, you know, when our friends do well and, and stuff and just great things about the sport and that. And I absolutely love seeing all those things on Facebook. I, I, I like and, and comment more on those positive things. And when I see, when I see those, those negative things about, you know, the brands or the houses or whatever, half the time I'm, I'm, um, I'm unfollowing that post. I don't care. I don't want to look at it when right. I scroll through my Facebook later in the day or whatever. I mean, last week I had, uh, uh, my friend Philip uh, shot two ninety nine, two seventy nine. His first two games, and the second game, uh, one of my customers shot his first three hundred against us. Mm-hmm. He shot it against us. I'm not gonna be mad and, and pissed off at him. I'm gonna actually be excited for him because oh, I was three hundred. Yeah, I was here. I was watching. It was great. Now that kind of runs us into a question that somebody had sent me actually a while back that um, I didn't ask because it, it didn't really have it didn't really directly connect with anything we were talking about, but. Uh, how do you handle – I know how I do, but how do you handle negativity in the bowling industry? Anything that you've run across, how do you handle it? Because that's the one thing that people actually need to learn. Uh, Jordan's one, uh, another one that uh, everybody needs to learn how to handle because, yeah, there's going to be negativity, but you got to know how to take care of it, how to either get rid of it or counter it or something. What, what do you do? What helps you? With me, I just – I read it. I go I, – I address it. And I go, okay, what what is it about specifically? If it if it impacts me personally, I will make I will make a response to it, you know, in in a positive light about it. If it doesn't impact me personally, but it, you know, it could at some point, yeah, I'll still kind of comment on. It. But if it has nothing to do with me, I push it aside. I care less what what it does or whatever. You know, of course, I'm you know I'm not gonna show it. I'm gonna show it to people or whatever, and you know explain about the fact that you know this is the kind of stuff going on i've shown you stuff like that where you right. know the negative the negative stuff and that and we both just like we, we both go face palming ourselves and just like yep another you know yep I 130 agree. comment posts on facebook about this you know <laughs> yeah and then, then somebody i mean yeah once in a while uh you, you know you'll have somebody post a score and it'll get a ton of likes but it, it'll get a ton of likes but the comments will be very minimal and then you get a negative post there was a situation a little while back. I won't say exactly what it was about, but it was a negative situation, uh, a very unfortunate situation, and and it just blew out of proportion. It had over two hundred comments, and uh, that's ridiculous. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, and there was people focusing on it that had nothing to even do with it. Yeah, exactly. But the negativity was so viral, it just kept spreading. Or even, or even, I know, I know that comment, but another one, go your three hundred post. You know, I shot one thirty four that game. <laughs> Right, and the focus there was, was on more focus on me, not you. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and what and did our, that matter? And our team shot actually shot really well. And even with your one thirty four, our team shot fantastic. Yeah, and um, everyone's like, "Oh, Jason shot one thirty four. Of course, that bothered me a little, but yeah, yeah I mean, I don't, <laughs> you I don't, smacked me around because, about it afterwards, <laughs> and I still shot six hundred that night. But <laughs> you know, yeah, I didn't was, shoot. Oh, yeah, I shot six hundred. Yeah, you I shot six hundred. Yeah, you didn't shoot seven. We'll just let that. But I mean, but I mean, there's. You know, there's that there's that negativity about about a great thing that you accomplished, and it all gets directed because the next the next highest person to me was two fifty eight, and I shot one thirty four. 
And shame on me because I posted it. I could have cropped it out, and I was like, man, it'd be fine. I mean, yeah, somebody will give Jason crap, but oh, it won't God, be that God, the whole big team deal. was giving me crap. Right. Well, we figured Whatever. it was enough, but yeah. uh, there was posts about it, which, you know, people are going to do that. Uh, the best way I've, I've noticed to combat it uh, is to, I don't want to say attack it, but I guess that is what it is, mm-hmm. uh, to, direct, to go directly back at it with overly positive. Yeah. Um, Kill him with kindness. It's kind of a challenge. Yeah, Kill him I mean, with kindness. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, I bet that was on a house shot. Yeah, man, and I don't think I hit the same arrow twice. <laughs> you know, just being, just taking it lightly because not one single person that makes any of those negative comments uh, in the long haul matters about what you're doing in the sport. Uh, I, I mean, there's people, I'm sure, that don't like the way I drill or they don't like the layout or they don't like the color of the bowling balls I have on the wall or th- something. But if you let it bother you, it's just going to it's gonna eat you alive. Exactly. Especially in this industry. Oh, yeah. Well, that'll do it for our main topic segment. But coming up next, it's our questions and our good thought of the podcast. Coming up next on the Spherical Animation Podcast. Welcome back to the Spherical Animation Podcast. It is questions time. We posted it on our Facebook page on facebook.com slash animationbowler, and we got a couple questions from there. So, Dave, fire away. Uh, Jason, our first question is, how do you convince a person to bowl league when their reason for not joining is, I'm not good enough? Well, I think it would also it would start with what kind of league it is to start. Um, if it's a scratch league, I, to be absolutely honest, I mean, the, the answer is probably the same across the book. My wife actually wants to bowl the uh, the greater uh, scratch trio league on Wednesday nights up at sunset. She barely averages 150 in that, but she wants to bowl. She wants the competition. She wants to better herself. She wants to bowl against the better bowlers in that. You know, it, it was the same thing when she played darts. Um, she wanted to throw against the better players in that. It made her It made her level of her game go up from there. So I think, I mean, honestly, if you want to com- if you want to compete in the sport, you want to bowl in a league in that with other people that, and and you say that you're not good enough. Why do you? You first have to ask them of why you don't think that why they think that they're not any good at this, and then from there, drag them in. <laughs> yeah, because there's so many different leagues, uh, especially here. Like they have everything from a beer and pizza league. To a men's league, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm not saying the men's league's at the top, but I mean that's where it's considered when you talk to a, like a guy. He's like, "Oh, I don't even think I average 140. I'm not good enough." The league has handicap. Uh, yeah, exactly. There's a beer and pizza league on Monday nights here that averages 14 teams a session. Mm-hmm. They get beer and, and pizza, pizza every week. Everybody gets Sounds the same good. price. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, sounds but it's, good to me. But it's a structured league, and there's actually, uh, you know, you actually have an average and games in and stuff like that. There's something for everybody. There's too many different types of leagues now, uh, because you know we need help in the sport, and we want to try to appeal to as many people as we can. There's something for everybody. Uh, the only one I don't really agree with. They have uh, a lot of places have uh, what's called the Lousy Bowlers League. Yeah. Um, I don't like the name of it. I like the concept. It's people that have never really bowled league before that don't think they're any good to join a normal, uh, not not normal, but uh, more competitive league. And uh, 
I kind of like beginner league or intermediate league or let's have fun league. Uh, I don't like people going in there admitting that they they think they're lousy bowlers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, everybody's got room for improvement, but I mean, I, I like what you're saying that you know, you know why why don't you think you're any good? You know, you just get them talking about it. As long as you're talking about it, that's that's great. Mm-hmm. And the other question that we had, uh, what's the difference between a good coach and a bad coach? So I'll let you take that one, Dave. Uh, I like that question. I like that question because uh, I've had people ask about coaching, but then they don't ask what's involved. Uh, to me, what a good coach is, uh, is somebody that doesn't uh, what they call cookie cut. They don't make everybody the same. Uh, they try to play what uh, is to the, the bowler's natural, the athlete's natural game, instead of trying to mold them into something they physically can't do. Uh Somebody that likes to turn the ball a whole lot and that's what they want to do, fine. They make it to where their game is, is better in that aspect and more comfortable. Uh, I, I would never try to tell somebody, well, you'd get a lot better if you were throwing the ball straighter without giving them physical justification about why their game is better uh, that way. If they look more natural trying to do one thing versus another, I'm not going to make them do something that's not natural. Uh, I think that's the main thing. It has nothing to do with certification. Uh, mm-hmm. Rich Weber... Um, is not certified, and he's 60 an hour. And he's well worth 60 an hour. Oh, yeah. Uh, the guy has a lot of knowledge, and he, does, he doesn't try to make you something out of your game that you're not. All he does, tries to do is amplify what you're doing instead of trying to make you into Pete Weber because you're not Pete Weber. No. I'm not Pete Weber. Nobody is. Uh, so, I mean, you're Dave Roberts. I'm Jason Wollum. Right. So, and our games are so vastly different. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's no reason that I, I, can te- I feel that I can teach you without making you throw the ball like me. Mm-hmm. To me, in my opinion, that's what that's what a coach needs to be. It needs to be somebody that is receptive. Excuse me, receptive uh, to what your ability is and being able to amplify that instead of trying to change it. See, way too many coaches do that. Uh, they try to make all the kids throw up second arrow because that's what they know how to do, and that just doesn't just doesn't work. No, kids are going to get frustrated. They're going to quit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, most of the time, the coaches quit beforehand because the kids don't improve. Yeah, and they just get frazzled. It just drives them nuts. Mm-hmm. No, that that I definitely agree with. Um, I do that with with the high school kids as well. Um, you know, if they want to throw two hands or one hand, right handed, left handed, whatever. I mean, obviously, I'm going to help them improve to to their next level in that. Of course, I'm going to try and influence some ideas and give them a different perspective as well, and tell them why. You know this this new idea may work for them, and if it doesn't, I'll tell them right away. I said, "Okay, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Let's let's go back to where we were in that with what they were doing and try and improve upon that." Thing, you know, yeah, I definitely don't see your improve. kids throwing like you, so that's that's yeah, a yeah. good thing. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> and there's and I've seen your I, I know who your kids are because I've drilled for all of them, and uh, they're all pretty distinct, different styles. I mean, there's really no two kids that throw the ball like, and they're not converting to throwing the ball like you, which is a good thing. That's that's a good direction. Exactly. So that'll do it for our question segment. Now, with all that negativity we had at the beginning of the, in the middle of the podcast and all these negative thoughts, we'd like to end on a good one. As we call this one, our good thought of the podcast. My good thought is actually because of Dave. He's the one who pulled me aside a couple weeks, about two weeks ago now. Really got me refocused on my bowling. Got me throwing it like I used to uh, it got me doing everything that I used to do when I was pretty much aspiring to get a, a staff contract and just working my my ass off with it you know throwing the ball straight and improving upon that you know we've bounced ideas off recently with 
trying to get through those transition games for me with new equipment ideas and that. And I mean, that's my good thought is that I have some of the greatest friends in this industry and Dave Roberts is one of them. Alrighty. And my uh, positive thought of the podcast, it's actually more of a challenge. It's more of a positive challenge. Uh, I challenge every person that listens to this to not only enjoy the sport and be positive about everything that you enjoy about it, but I challenge you to bring somebody into it. Uh, show them what you like about it. Do not show them anything that you think is that needs to be changed. Don't tell them that the sport is doing this or that in a bad direction. Bring them in and show them why you love bowling so much, and it's going to rekindle the reason you're even bowling in the first place. And it may get you to bowl more. You may enjoy it more, which will help you relax and score a little bit higher. But I, I challenge you to take somebody that you don't think is either interested in bowling or has never bowled in their life and get them to bowl two or three games with you in open play. Have a few drinks, have a good time, throw the ball down the lane. Maybe even show them something that helps them knock down the, a few more pins that they ever thought they could knock down. And uh, see where it goes from there. You'd be really surprised. I, I started bowling because a few of my friends got me into it never fully expected me to get into it and, I, and, I, and this is what I do. So that's my positive thought. My positive thought is actually more of a challenge. Uh, nothing but positivity and show that positivity to somebody else. Don't just think it. Actually tell somebody about it and, and see how they respond. And those were our good thoughts of the podcast. And that'll do it for episode four of the Spherical Animation Podcast. So we're going to take a little hiatus for the rest of the year. We're going to actually move to a monthly format. So our next podcast will be roughly around the middle of January. That's going to be easier for everybody. It's going to be yeah, it's going to be a lot easier for us. We got a little got a lot of ideas, but we don't want to get too burned out on it because we love doing this. We love expressing our thoughts and our ideas. We've got some new things coming along, and I got some bowling to do and some balls to drill. Exactly. <laughs> So that'll do it. I am Jason Animation Wollum. And I am Dave Spherical Magician Robert. And we will see you in the new year.